Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. We got another day of NBA action, and with FanDuel, every night is a watch party, so it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Twenty-one plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. Ten dollars first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable. Bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com/sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Gambler. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your afternoon playlist, State Farm knows you personalize your entire day, and that's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with the State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices vary by state. Options selected by customer. Availability and eligibility may vary. You're listening to Theater in College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me is The Shark. We're brought to you by Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device you use. Random College Hooper of the Week this week, Ryan Spangler out of Ardmore, Oklahoma. He went to Gonzaga, then transferred to Oklahoma, made a Final Four. Uh, Ryan Spangler, whenever I think of him, whenever I visualize him, that is the all-American alpha male. Just built like a wall, has a sweet tattoo, hair that just he reminds me a little bit of Don Billingsley. Actually, I get big Don Billingsley vibes from from Spangler. Do you remember Spangler? Am I supposed to? But we've done what eighty episodes here. Am I supposed to pipe in right now? Normally, we lead right into the intro, and I save my little two cents for after the intro. We can do that. I figured we we could try and pivot. Oh, I, we're in I, unprecedented I, times. I kind of like this move. You know, people kind of get conditioned to like, okay, Subi's going to say some random college hooper. Then we're going to hear from Gus Johnson in our intro. And then at the end, you know, we're going to hear a few comments about it, but I like what we're doing right now. Spangler. Yeah. You know, I, on your point, I think you're going to the Billingsley. Well, a little too much of late. Didn't you pull that comparison a few episodes ago? I did reference Don Billingsley at some point. Well, it's just like every time you find a rugged white guy, you think of Don Billingsley, which from Texas you know, or Oklahoma, yeah, yeah. Oh, doesn't who, I'm, I've been? I w- I thought I had more time to look this up, but who is the big guy on Oklahoma more recently than Ryan Spangler? That is very similar to Ryan Spangler in that same regard, kind of just a huge white guy that plays in their lineup. I'll have to look it up, but yeah, I mean, get a different rugged white guy. Let me let me see if we can brainstorm after the uh, after the intro. How about that? Yeah, oh, I mean that's normally the intro buys us some time, so we can come back with a few thoughts here. You know what I mean? But hey, whatever. There might be a little something with the subconscious to Spangler 
Star Spangled Banner, America. I don't know. Again, just a, a look inside uh, to our sick, sick minds. But Ryan Spangler, Random College Hooper of the Week. Check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the-barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feat is. And make sure to follow Taylor at TaylorDam1, the shark at the underscore shark underscore BB. Let's open oh. the curtains. So we had uh, we had the intro to think about it. What if I just go with his teammate Mike Winchell? Is that cheating? Um. Well, all right. So you're you're Mike Winchell is definitely less memorable. So if we're doing like Friday Night Lights, from what the way people recognize this in pop culture, you obviously got the TV show, which is more geared towards girls, but also a great theater. And then you have the movie, which is based off the book written by Buzz Bissinger. Also great theater, both from reading, reading theater and viewing theater uh, was was the book, the actual true story. So Winchell's a quarterback in the in the TV show. It's Danny Saracen or Mike Saracen or Matt. No, Matt Saracen. Matt Saracen was quarterback. You know, same idea. Quiet. Keeps to himself. Scrawny. Not athletic. White. Gets the first downs when you need them, though. So I, I don't think it's I don't think. Spangler is a good comparison for that type of player. So I, I would go back to the well if I were you. Unrelated, but still kind of related. Chavo. Uh, I, I tweeted this out. A Bad Mom Christmas has now entered the Christmas movie rotation for me. I didn't know he was in, a, in Bad Moms. The actor who played Chavo from Friday Night Lights in the movie. Um, what role does he play in Bad Moms Christmas, which is a great film? So I'm glad you tweeted that the other day. That the Bad Moms series is really, really good. He is Mila Kunis's boyfriend. I thought that was John Tucker. No, that's not John Tucker. Who's also where's John, where's John Tucker? I don't know. Last I saw him was during this quarantine when I was barreling through Desperate Housewives. You know who that guy... All right, so now I'm with you. Now I'm two-stepping a little bit here. The guy that plays Kunis's boyfriend, who plays Chavo, is also... He was the lead on this show that came out on ABC that got canceled after like two cups of coffee, The the Beauty and the Baker, or something like that, which is just a terrible TV show name and an even worse premise. But um, yeah, this guy was like a 
cook in Miami, meet some hot celebrity, and the next thing you know, they're dating Beauty and the Baker. I mean, it really doesn't shock me at all. I feel like because we love Friday Night Lights so much, and anyone who really likes sports will love the movie Friday Night Lights, you you look at these three guys, right? You got Chavo, Winchell, and Billingsley. And then if you look at some of their filmography afterwards, it's it's really C D list stuff. That was the, it's actually a perfect parallel to the characters they played in Friday Night Lights. That was the apex for them. That is the ceiling. I don't think so in Bad Mom's Christmas. Like the guy's a single dad living in a nice neighborhood, great father. I think I'm the talking real about child. the actors. Oh, the actors? All right. Like Friday Night Lights, are we comparing to Bad Mom's Christmas? We could. Both great films. Bit of a stretch. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of connections there. But let's dive into some college hoops here, Shark. We wanted to last weekend, we said we did a bit of teasing. We said we we're going to think about revealing some of our predictions for the season conference wise. But a lot happened this past week in the landscape of college basketball. But additionally, we just don't have schedules. Everything is so up in the air. There's talks about non-conference schedules being thrown out the window. There's talks about, you know, strictly just doing a conference schedule. There's talks about ESPN uh, uprooting and declining the the bubble in, in Disney World, which is what the NBA did a wonderful job of pulling off. And we'll get to that in a little bit. But long story short, we're not going to be doing preseason predictions, at least this episode, because the main driving factor was uh, a ton happened this past week. And we'll start with Pat Chambers stepping down from Penn State, a huge development there because it, it wasn't necessarily what the allegations are, but they're coming off their best season. Pat Chambers is coming off his finest work, a team that was bound for the NCAA tournament, uh, but he resigned after allegations of inappropriate conduct after an internal investigation revealed these allegations. Rasir Bolton, a player who transferred from Penn State to Ohio State, said he left the program because Chambers made a reference to a noose around Bolton's neck. And we'll, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll tell you the quote here in a second before I get your thoughts here, Shark. And Chambers said he didn't know that this was offensive or he didn't. He, he basically said, I didn't know because he's, he's from the North or I'm from the North, um, whereas Bolton is from Virginia, which is the South. So let me go ahead and read uh, exactly what Pat Chambers said here. And I think this is, there's a, li- there's a lot to unpack here, but he says, quote, I want to be a stress reliever for you, Chambers to Bolton. You can talk to me about anything. I need to get some of this pressure off you. I want to loosen the noose that's around your neck. Shark, let me go to you first, obviously, uh, because there is no Taylor. I don't know why I said that, but thoughts on Pat Chambers. I get that he's trying to wiggle out of it, but just such an atrocious choice of words where he does deserve to be fired. So, I I mean, of course, you're going to do the damage control to try to explain the alternate meeting that you would have had, but you just have to be smarter than to say something like that. Your whole north-south excuse is just preposterous. Um but at the same time, you also can't come out and just acknowledge, yes, I did make this heinously racist comment. So I get what he's doing. Uh, you, though, I think he, I mean, you're a leader of young men on a college basketball team. You're not an idiot. You're not drunk. You're not saying something out of turn. You are supposed to be someone that they look up to. So to the extent that you 
don't have the appropriate words to say or your analogy is just terribly off, you still need to be held accountable for your actions when you say stuff like that. So I don't really buy any of his excuses on that. And frankly, when you look at this guy's record, you're acting, you said they came off their best season. Back in 2017, 2018, that was their best season. They won the NIT. That should have been the one that springboarded them into you know, relevancy at Penn State. This guy's been at the coaching the team for over a decade, nearly a decade at this point, and he's never made the tournament. And even before that, he only coached at BU for two years and got BU into the tournament once. So just on a strictly merit standpoint, I mean, it's Penn State. Make the tournament. I know there's not a lot of history there, but you're still a power five school, a conference where, you know, it shouldn't be that difficult to um, play that card where, you know, it's get someone to commit to the school, be the face of turning the the, the organization around and be relevant again. Um, especially when you've made the tournament two years ago. So I, I don't buy his excuse, I think, uh, but I understand what he's saying, I guess, to try to lessen the blow. Um, and he deserved to be fired for it. The excuse was terrible. That was the very first thing that popped yeah. out to me because we're, we're two guys from the North. And we know not to say he's what from, he said. And I think also this might've been where in the North is he from? It? Like, like, I don't know, uh, Pennsylvania. I, I think he's, yeah, Newton Square, Pennsylvania. I mean, it's not like, even, it doesn't even make it acceptable if you're from Boston or even more like, you know, Portland, Maine or anything like that. I mean, that just because you're from the North doesn't mean that there's some cultural split. I mean, Virginia is literally six hours away. All right. We're not talking about uh, a complete culture shift over here. So that's just even, especially this guy's like a grown man. I and mean, come on, you can't expect people to buy that. Just say, um, Actually, there's really nothing you can say because if you're going to come out and admit that I did say that, then you know that people are going to really come after you anyways as well. So he's in a tough spot, but he deserved what he got. It was almost like a 180 right there when you read this. And I have a feeling Pat Chambers, it was coming from a good place. This isn't to defend what he said, but every line prior to the news comment was very supportive. He said, I want to be a stress reliever for you. You can talk to me about anything. I need to get some of this pressure off you. Should have just stopped right there. And I think he fell victim to word vomit. <laughs> he just like, th there might've been, I don't know, a, been, yeah. a long pause in the room. And he's like, let me add a little bit more mustard, some pepper on this steak by saying, I want to loosen the noose that's around your neck. And then he just ruined the meal. Well, I'm curious if he did the damage control right after that, because you should be smart enough after those words leave your mouth to be able to try to correct it in the moment. Right. So especially a guy that's supposed to be a mentor to this player on his team, you should be able to recognize, holy shit, I should not have just said that. And rather than try to kind of talk over it and pretend like nobody heard it, I'm going to deal with it right now and say that wasn't my intent. Something tells me that's probably not what happened. Um, and sure enough, he's got to deal with the consequences. We had Penn State superfan Chris Alfin on the program earlier this offseason, and he was just clamoring about how much he hated Pat Chambers, even in the midst of what I still think to believe is their best season. I mean, you referenced the NIT title. I'm sure Penn State fans would rather have a tournament berth, which I can't remember the last time they had a tournament berth. It might have been with Taylor Battle. I'm not sure. But even in the midst of the past two really good seasons under Pat Chambers, people hated him. And I'm not I'm not aligning him directly with Greg Marshall, but Pat Chambers has this reputation of being a very surly, fiery, uh, angry person on the court who may not get along so great with his players. Whereas 
and, and, and you're supposed to be that mentor, like you had mentioned, but I think a lot of times when you look at a guy like Pat Chambers, there's a difference between, let's say maybe what Brad Underwood does. And you know, I'm a big Brad Underwood guy, but Underwood and Billingsley, man, like broaden your horizons over there. Where else Sorry, should I go? I'm just maybe pick up a new reference, read a book. Well, who's a, okay. Who's a, who's a, another fiery coach where you're able to tell the difference between what like Greg Marshall and Pat Chambers do. Mick Cronin. Okay. Let's stick with our bald headed white guy theme. I mean, this is a bald headed white guy. We can stick with Mick Cronin. We can stick with our guy, Kevin Willard. We can stick with Chris Mack. And then you got this loser, Pat Chambers. I, I don't know if Mack's like that crazy. Cronin. Mac? Yes. Mac Cronin, a little fired up. Yeah. And you know, last week we talked about award shows underbite of the year. It's always the, the Mick Cronin award underbite of the year, but uh, Pat Chambers, another to your point, just not worth the headache. And I think a smart from Penn state. So let me ask you this though, shark, because you have taken a, what seems to me at least, and I'll give you the chance to explain an opposite approach or an opposite stance of what we're hearing with allegations with Greg Marshall. What's the, what's the difference here? The acknowledgement of it, I guess. Um, I, I, so I, I think there's, you got to, I know there was a long pause there and I'm trying to recall. Yeah, I'm going to have to edit stand. that out now. Yeah. Well, well, edit what you got to do, but I don't think what I said, I think I, what I said about Greg Marshall was to the extent that he was making racial comments and that's strictly inappropriate and he shouldn't have done it. Cause I know we had the one about the, it was a native American guy on his team. You all, you always have to understand kind of relationships and dynamics to understand whether or not people would actually be offended by that in the moment, you know, uh, People being offended is a very subjective thing. It's a very personal and individual thing. For something like the term that was used in Pat Chambers, that's something where even if you were to remove it from the subjective you know, relationship that we all have with one another, that's still something that you should not say to someone because it is so inflammatory, especially in this time that we're living right now. So I think that is the one major difference here. And the other being, I think that the kid made the complaint shortly after it allegedly happened too. So the whole reason that you know, he wasn't fired. He resigned Pat Chambers, that being. And that was because Penn State did their own internal investigation after this kid made his complaint. So everything kind of aligns in order right there. The Greg Marshall thing, a lot of these accusations are very dated. They come at strange timing. And I could be proven wrong with Greg Marshall. I'm just pointing out the other side of it for the sake of theater on this show. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that personal insults and, you know, cultural jabs at one another can can be subjective in certain certain situations but there's some things that aren't subjective and comments like that are not noose is uh, you're right noose is an incredibly charged word if you will like it filled with just the, the gr most grotesque images you can really think of so and i think also to your point he resigned willingly he said okay I, you know i'm i'm done i'm not there's no point in trying to fight this and so if you're not going to fight it, Pat Chambers was the point of anyone else doing it. So this actually just crept into my mind. I, I suppose I should have put some thought into it prior to the show. But is there anyone out there that Penn State can lure? Maybe, I don't know if it's a big name, but do you think they'll go the route of trying to pluck someone from a rising uh, mid-major program or do you think and who knows this carousel this might be intertwined who knows if greg marshall survives this wichita state thing i personally think he does but if he's gone penn state should go directly after him in my opinion who do you think or what type of coach 
do you think that they're going to try and pursue here? Well, I think that would honestly be crazy if they were to go after Greg Marshall right after they fired a guy for, you know, saying insensitive comments to his players. Then they go and get a guy who's under investigation for that. But I like where your head's at, Father, because they want to get good players to come in. Um, Regarding Penn State's, uh, I guess, reputation and who you could bring in to coach there, I honestly have no clue. Um, I, I haven't seen any names floating around there. It's not a very storied program. They certainly didn't make the top, the titch top 50. So who, who's the best player to come out of Penn state? Do you even know off the top of your head? You're going to get mad at me because I'm going back to the well again, but Taylor battle. No, no, Tim Frazier, Tim Frazier's had some stints in the NBA. There you go. See, I diversified my bonds a little. Yeah. So, I mean, Hmm. Who maybe uh, I mean, Bill O'Brien? He's available. He coached the football team for a while ago, but he did pretty well there for the time being. Maybe bring him <laughs> in, coach basketball. Oh, that would be yeah. You know, Bill O'Brien did a great job of resurrecting the program after the whole Paterno fallout. And you know, he, he's he's got experience in just being in the mud trying to turn around franchises and teams. I mean, he kind of did it with the Texans and then he just plateaued. Oh, I actually, so I, I found some time to look up a few who the can, uh, candidates would be. I can't believe we didn't think uh, one of them makes sense. Steve Donahue, my former boy who coaches at Penn right now, uh, that would be an atrocious hire if Penn state were to do that. If you wanted to just continue to be irrelevant, but here's a great one. Rick Patino. Yeah, but no, I, I was thinking Patino about, Patino. you know, you don't think he wants to stay at Iona? Oh, he, he comes in. He's there. No, he does, well, he's never coached a game there, so let's be fair about that. He comes in, he dominates one year, then he goes, he makes his next leap up, gets a pay, gets a raise, makes them relevant for a year or two. Next thing you know, he's uh, coaching at you know Michigan. Once Jawan Howard goes to the NBA for a job, no, I would love if Patino basically just I don't know what he just rose again, like he was some some fresh haired kid. At 29, 30 years old, just does that a whole trajectory again. That would be great. I mean, Patino is one probably it's hard to compare because you want to compare who's the best college basketball coach over the past few decades. And the, the everyone's mind kind of immediately goes to Coach K. Uh, but it's honestly probably more impressive what Rick Patino has done in his tenure right there, where he's even longer than that. Because he's done, he's one of only two coaches to ever go to the Final Four with three different programs. He coached the two, one of the both sides of one of the strongest rivalries in college basketball, and brought each side to a national championship. And then, I mean, he took Providence all the way to the Final Four. We know how terrible Providence stinks. And now he's going to goes over to Panathinaikos, dominates in Greece, and now he's going to come back and probably get Iona back on the map as well. So I know you're going to say Coach K, but, but I think there's something about the comfort level once you get get it rolling and you can stick around for a while. Well, wait, I missed it. Did you say the best coach right now or the best coach? I said over in, the, in the past discussion, year. best coach ever. Yeah. Best coach. Okay. I, I said, I mean, it's hard to do best coach ever because everyone's going to say John Wooden and it's tough to compare because he won so many titles. I said over the past three decades. So I'm trying to include those coaches that are still coaching right now, but have been doing it for a while. So yeah. your coach K's and, um, you know, Roy Williams and uh, Jay Wright's got to be in there. Yeah. Jay Wright's definitely making his move right now. Calipari's got to be in there as well. But I think Patino 
can honestly give Coach K a run for his money. Yeah, no, I I don't think you're incorrect there. I mean, the high and mighty, highfalutin people will say, well, he cheated, blah, blah, blah. Again, Stephen A. Smith gift, we don't care, or I don't care. I don't care at all about that. Uh, and we love Patino because of the, what he's able to just – what he brings to college basketball is – he's one of our favorite characters just on and off the court. Well, just think about his career trajectory. Like, I don't think anyone's sat down and done a bio biography of him yet, but it's going to be must-read, first of all. But he essentially went from Providence, takes him to the Final Four. Uh, after that, he goes to the Knicks, coaches the Knicks for a little bit. And then from the Knicks, he's like, yeah, that's my dream. I'm New York. I'm going to go down to Kentucky. I'm just some you know, guy from the north going down south to Kentucky. I'm sure he didn't make the stupid comment that Pat Chambers made because of that big cultural divide. Goes to Kentucky, completely revitalizes their program after Eddie Sutton torpedoed it for a little bit. And then wins a national title with him. Bolts goes to the Celtics, fails at the Celtics, drafts Chauncey Billups. Um, And from there, goes back to Louisville, the arch nemesis of Kentucky, gets them to a Final Four, eventually gets them to a national championship, Punches out, Panathinakos, dominates, comes back. Now he's at Iona. I mean, it's just up and down, but the one constant, he's been successful everywhere he's been. Yeah, he's a rambling man. I mean, the documentary, the 30 for 30 that's going to come out on Rick Patino is going to have uh, Zach Brown band, the rambling man song. I'm, I'm blanking on the actual title of it, but that's what he is. The rambling? Um, why wouldn't you go with the... Uh, I'm a rambling man. Well, you can... Go with the Almond Brothers. Lord, I was born a rambling man. Yeah, you could do okay. that too. It's literally the title of the song, Rambling Man. But we'll workshop that. We'll, What's we'll, the Zach we'll Brown no, production? Keep, do another bar of the Zach Brown band song because it's not. It's, it's a cold, colder weather. Is it colder weather? Because I'm a rambling. I think so. I ain't ever yeah. gonna change. Yeah, it'd be a weird song to put on Rick Patino's documentary, but all right. <laughs> work with me here i'm trying to diversify like you had said uh but yeah rick patino we if pat we chambers i'm just glad we didn't compare him to you know don billingsley again right there no i can't i can't there's no similarities there all right hard work and blue collar though there you go you're finding it right now <laughs> yeah, I, we might have to do an episode six degrees of college basketball separation with don billingsley how can Good. i relate them somehow i probably could do it um but yeah, Pat Chambers stepping down from Penn State. The only thing I want to bring up real quick before we move on to our next topic is you had mentioned, yeah, they're a power five school. They should be better. Look at the state that they're in. Temple, Villanova, St. Joe's even. Those guys get much higher talent. And I mean, you figure Penn State's going to try and pull from Philadelphia. Again, I understand that they're in the in a power five school or they're a power five school, but Pennsylvania is a tough place to recruit, especially when you got Jay Wright and and uh, some of these other schools as well. Yeah, I don't know how great of a basketball state Pennsylvania is. Though. I'm sure in Philly they can play, but anywhere else, who knows? It's not like Villanova. You don't think they're you don't think they're looking at the same areas though to recruit? Well, I think Villanova's Jersey. probably no. I think that's where Villanova's going. But I think Penn State should be able to compete with Temple for Philly kids. You know. And Drexel, but what was it? Was a game the Philly? Uh, was the was the play on Drexel a few years ago in that playing game? Oh, no, they got that's it. Where, that's a. I think you're thinking of LaSalle, the South Philly. Floater. Well, it was LaSalle. Yeah, it was LaSalle, yeah. South Philly floater. Yeah, why don't you go down? Penn State needs to go into South Philly and start beating out LaSalle and Drexel and Temple and stop focusing on New Jersey and 
New York, like where Villanova is going to be. Maybe their next coach will do that. Speaking of head coaches, we're going to move to the Pac-12, Arizona, and this guy, Sean Miller, who knows what the future holds for him. He may be a candidate for Penn State next year when we're talking about college basketball this time next year. But Arizona receives their notice of allegations. So in short, they were served nine allegations of misconduct, including five level one allegations, the most serious under NCAA rules. They're charged with a lack of institutional control and Sean Miller charged with a lack of head coach control. Arizona is the eighth university to publicly acknowledge receiving an NCAA notice of allegations related to information obtained from that FBI investigation that uh, sort of launched or came to the forefront in 2017. The other teams, Kansas, Louisville, NC State, Oklahoma State, which has imposed sanctions and a playoff ban, South Carolina, TCU, and USC. Shark, I will get your initial thoughts here on uh, the Wildcats and what this means for them moving forward. I'm more curious about your take because you guys have found ways to wiggle out of this happening for a long time. It seems like once you get a couple level one, how many did you get? Five level one violations, which is a severe breach of conduct, the most severe that you could possibly get. Um, I, you're probably in the blogs and on the message boards, and you're probably in tune with what people are saying in the program. I can't imagine that there's a happy ending to this. There's certainly definitely going to be vacated wins for sure. Um, maybe certainly going to be some postseason suspensions coming up. There might be issues with scholarships given to you. I, I don't know. You tell me what the people are saying. All I really care about is the postseason ban. I want to be in the NCAA tournament. Vacate the wins. You know what my thought on that. They actually happened. We all know they actually happened. I think the general population outside of the Billises and maybe the small guys, uh, small schools might be saying, no, those didn't actually happen. They, they did. Um, but also scholarships, I, I'm very much expecting scholarships to be cut, re- revoked, removed, whatever the term is you want to use, which could cripple the program for years to come, a couple of years to come. And we've already seen the fallout of some of uh, the, the penalties that they've had to endure the past couple of years. They just haven't gotten much talent to Tucson ever since DeAndre Ayton, really. So I'm most concerned about a postseason ban because if there's no NCAA ter- I I Ever since I've been to that school, there's only been two years where they haven't made the tournament. And those have just been three years, actually, I think. Three years since they haven't made the tournament. And those have just been, you could say, some of the most liberating NCAA tournaments because I'm not obligated by myself to pick Arizona to win a title. But at the same time, I'm like, what the hell do I really have to look forward to? I'm seeing all these other schools uh, enjoy this run. You talk about Pat Chambers, too. And we talked about how he's not worth the headache. That is the age-old question and the big question for people in Tucson and fans in Tucson, Shark. Is Sean Miller worth this headache? Mike Lupica had a hilarious tweet, I thought. He said, do you ever just sit back and wonder what it takes for Sean Miller to actually get fired? Right? I mean, he's been raked over the coals the past few years. He's never delivered a Final Four. He has, for about three to four years, this might be my bias, three to four years, I think they were consistently the best team in the country, some of the best defenses in the country, could never get through to a Final Four. And a lot of people are saying that he's basically ruining and smearing Lute's legacy, the late, great Lute Olsen. So people are wondering, is he worth it, Shark? Do you think he's worth it? It's too late now. They should have been asking these questions when they got put on notice of it because no matter what happens with whatever the penalty and the sentence is, 
that's going to fall on the university as well. Sean Miller is a part and parcel of that university. He is an extension of the University of Arizona. So they have to li- live with that consequences. Firing Miller, that's not going to absolve them of his sins because they've stood by him for so long when they've been put on notice. So a lot of times you see this happen. I think it happened with uh, Georgia Tech. Uh, with Passner, there was some crap that happened with Georgia Tech. They did their own investigation, and then they kind of sat their own season out and said, all right, we're not going to play in the postseason this year. That's something that shows the NCAA, hey, we're getting ahead of this. Arizona, on the other hand, has just been in denial. Like you and Taylor, you're just hacks over there pretending like, oh, prove it. Oh, prove it. Well, eventually they're going to prove it, and eventually you're going to feel the pain. So if you want to blame Miller at that point, then your athletic director – and his team of lawyers and your compliance directors and everyone up and which down, they should have stopped this well in advance and fired his ass when they had the chance. I am actually okay with them fighting it because you have to go w- one way or the other. Just be completely contrite and pull your pants down, take the spanking. Well, that, I mean, but then if you do that, then what's the most severe penalty? It's the death penalty, right? Where they just completely take away your program. They're not going to get the death penalty. Because well, here's the other thing. Kansas has gotten the exact same allegations. And they, they received the same uh, notice uh, allegations, I should say. They did? Yeah. For the when did they announce that? In, in conjunction with the ones against Arizona? This was basically last year, around when the Snoop Dogg thing happened. So, I mean, to your point, I, I'm not saying I hate that as an excuse, and I'll get into this next topic here for a second uh, as it pertains to Arizona. But I do hate when people are like, oh, Kansas did it. Well, these guys did it. That shouldn't matter because the NCAA very well could just want to make an example out of someone. And Arizona very well could be on the chopping block there. So, like I said, you either got to completely admit and uh, you know pull your pants down or you got to fight it tooth and nail, which is exactly what they're doing. They have 90 days to respond to this notice of allegation. They And, and so they're going to fight this. Like that's what their lawyers have said. So I think basically at this point they're saying we're way too deep in the weeds here. What's the point of just giving up, right? We yeah. might as well just go for it. No, exactly. And it, it they're probably doing the calculus in their head. All right, yeah, we are way too deep in the weeds. If we lose, then this is what the penalty likely is going to be. I just think the distinction between Arizona and their level one allegations are the fact that they've the evidence has already kind of been aired in a criminal trial uh, where people went to prison, including one of Arizona's coaches already went to prison. So it's a little more serious than what's going on with Kansas, I would say, despite the fact that the le- the level of violations are the same. Um, I think that there were their NCAA would probably uh, give some clemency, give a little uh, support for Arizona if they were to cooperate and self-impose some type of ban or restrictions. If I were you guys, I'd, I'd shoot for kind of just – scholarship restrictions and i i I don't think uh, what do i know but um i I think if you limit scholarships and you take away some wins from previous years and you fire sean miller i think that would be a good resolution for you it's got to be interesting to see what happens i'd like to also discuss this topic as it pertains to arizona and honestly other college teams any other sports teams that you guys may follow is there anything funnier than the local beat writers that cover those teams. Oh, Let me give the you best. they are the absolute best shark. Let me give you uh an example of one in Tucson. There's two actually. One who is the doomsday guy who basically says this team is a bunch of hacks. They suck. They're awful. They they're they're 
they're just no good. Even during the Elite Eight days, they were like, this isn't a good team. That's Greg Hansen. On the other side, there's this, you know, Celtics fans have green teamers. Basically, just will defend anything the Celtics will do. This guy is the equivalent of that for Arizona basketball, and his name is Jason Shear. This guy, he's fighting harder than Sean Miller in the school. He's fighting harder than the lawyers. He is he is like Leslie Nope and the team picking up books trying to find any sort of loophole uh in in trying to absolve Arizona here. And anytime a I actually got that Kansas nugget from him from one of his tweets. Anytime a national writer like Schlebaugh, Billis, Pete Definitely Tam- definitely reliable then, where where your information's coming from this foxhole guy over here. Oh I, well, I mean that good point, but I think that is true. I did I did validate that. But uh he's just the the, the color the blue and red colored glasses are insane to me because he is the epitome of the the dog in the fire meme. It's like this is fine. Everything's just fine, you guys. Kansas is doing this. Uh, you know, the FBI did X, Y, and Z. At the very least, and I'm okay with fighting it, right? I'm okay with standing. At the very least, you just got to acknowledge this isn't good for Arizona. And there are some insane people on Twitter. There's some insane local beat writers that are just, they have their heads so far buried in the ground that they can't see that this isn't, generally speaking, a bad thing shark do you have do you have any stories about local beat writers that are just i mean they they bend over backwards to either bash a team or fully support them no i i, I think you identified the two paths that the local beat guys can take I, I love local beat reporters over any you know it's weird with espn now particularly with football and most of the other professional leagues they, they'll bring in a guy that was a local beat reporter and kind of make him the espn beat reporter for that team but I like the guys that work out of the newspaper in that city or even the C-list the newspaper because that's where you're going to find the real crazies. Uh, but on the larger stage, you're, you're always going to find the guy that is the hater of the team that's going to fire up the fan base, um, say something after a big loss about how it's over or say something about how this guy's washed up. I, I, I think of like Dan Shaughnessy or something in Boston would be the perfect example of that. Say something after the Red Sox lose to talk about it. Uh, you get the fan base super angry to write in and drive ratings for the, for the newspaper, or for the radio station, whatever it may be. But then again, I, I love the guys that are just in the foxhole, in the trenches with you, no matter what happens, super biased, uh, cheering in the press box, chirping fan bases, chirping coaches when they make bad decisions, just truly a fan that happens to be, you know, have a microphone with them and a pen and paper to write down some deeply slanted paper or a story after the fact. Those are my kind of guys as well uh, because you can identify them, but you're only ever going to find these people making about $40,000 for some crap newspaper and hoping for the best as as they advance their career and get the fan base fired up. He's one of my favorite follows on Twitter. Actually, I'm in a, everyone I think pretty much has their college friends group chat. I might send two or three of his tweets every single day. Shark, after this, whenever you have the time, I know you don't have, you know, I'm not going to be like, hey, did you, did you see Jason Shear's Twitter account? But if you have the time, go check it out. But I send it to my friends maybe two, three times a day because I remember during the Sean Miller press conference a couple of years back, late 2017, early 2018 might've been the day before the Oregon game where Deandre Ayton just went fucking insane in Eugene. Uh, and Sean Miller didn't, wasn't on the sidelines, but I just remember after Sean, everyone was waiting with bated breath. They were like, what's Sean going to do? Is he going to admit to these? Is he going to fight this? It was very much a Jose can Conse- not Jose can say like a Rafael Palmero point to 
to the judge yeah. like i have never and who knows i mean we saw how that ended up hopefully that doesn't happen for sean for my sake but after that interview or after that press conference this guy i mean it, it felt like he took it felt like he took all the credit for it like he was the one like he was fucking johnny cochran <laughs> like like he was the one that that waded through x amount of miles or whatever of shit like like in Shawshank Redemption, he just came out on the other side. And I kind of liken it to Nick Wright and LeBron James. Like Nick Wright will do anything to appease LeBron James. But LeBron has never like acknowledged him. I don't think Sean Miller has ever acknowledged Jason Shear. So it's just like, it's thankless work for this guy. And I love it. What is the, what is the news medium that he works for? So he actually he created his own uh, blog, I believe, and and uh, outlet. It's called Wildcat Authority. So good for him. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll t- yeah, no, I, I, that is impressive. I'll tell you what though. Uh, there there was this other guy. If you really want to get down a rabbit hole of people covering Arizona, there was this guy named Ace Thakwer, uh, who was he, he he created a site called Point Guard U or something, and he would always do like his crystal ball predictions for Arizona recruits. And if he ever got it wrong and someone called him out, he got a lot wrong. And if someone called him out, he would just post a picture of like a Lamborghini in a driveway. I don't know if it was his, but he was like, whatever, I'm richer than you. I have more bitches than Mm -hmm. you or something. I mean, it was, and then he just fell off the face of the earth. I haven't heard of it from him since like two or three years. Do you, are you on the message boards? So are you on kind of the, 247 Arizona message boards or any other Arizona message boards. I don't want you to dox yourself what your name is, but are you? No, I, I'm honestly not. That's more Taylor's wheelhouse. I'm in, I'm in those two. I'm in a variety of different message boards. I'll never reveal who I am, but those are the real nut jobs. The people that are not getting paid for their work, but putting so much effort into their posts and taking credit for something when you are just entirely anonymous. Um, you're not even publishing articles. You're just posting out into the abyss. Those are my guys. <laughs> it's just crazy to me to see this section of people because there is a, a section, I don't know how big or small it is, that will bend over backwards, that will, you know, like like the, the original wife in Coming to America with Eddie Murphy, they asked her to bark like a dog, jump around. Like that is what these guys will do for Sean Miller, for a guy that's never gotten them to a Final Four, and he's like beyond reproach. Cannot talk bad about Sean Miller because he had those two or three sweet three those three elite eight runs. So it's like, guys, you're you're supposed to have a little bit of higher standard here. But another point on this before we move on, Shark. Last week or two weeks ago, we discussed how we're kind of like good luck, Chuck. College basketball world, their ears are burning anytime we put out an episode because we talked about UMass versus some of these other big programs. UMass gets gets nailed, and you know the big programs don't. Right after that episode came out, the NOAs to, to Arizona came. It's kind of like, I don't know, it's, it's like Breaking Bad, Badger. Badger gets, small-time criminal gets fucked, Walter, scot-free. So it wasn't like, you know, anytime something positive happens to Don Billingsley, he goes home and some, you know, a negative thing immediately happens thereafter. It wasn't like that? No. Okay. No. No, it wasn't. Uh, so what, would, what would be it to happen in this episode? I know we're we're almost done, which... Brings me to this topic right here. I mean, I know we're under contract. We have to fill this full hour. It's not a lot going oh, we on. Don't have, we don't have to fill the full hour. I mean, there's uh, definitely a lot more going on. Well, this I, we've we've already done about ago. 
yeah, we did a, we did about four minutes on Spangler at the top, you know, in, in the lead hour right there to really bring in the, these fans that we have. Um, now we've turned up about 40 minutes. Good ball control offense between me and you here. Run the football. Yeah. I mean, in college basketball terms, it's good good offense. Just use all all 30 seconds of the shot clock, get a good shot. Actually, I was, I was getting a little nervous. I was going to have to do my 15 minutes again. Where Remember that? The glory days when I won that bet on the um, – was it Maryland versus Illinois? I got 15 minutes at the top of the show to talk about what I wanted to talk about. That's right. I forgot about that. What was what was that in reference to? Also for the theater goer, I don't know if this is incredibly obvious that we're still trying to buy time, but keep keep listening. Moving the ball. Move the chains, boys. Move the chains. But I also at the beginning at the top of that show is when I quoted uh Perfect Storm. I remember that. Can you do it right now without looking at the at the Not- lines? No chance, but for those that are listening right now, it's when Clooney is taking the Andrea Gale out. Uh, he's kind of just reacting to exactly what he sees. Wait, wait, throws a wave at the lighthouse. His kid keeps going. What's better than this? You're a goddamn sword boat captain. Or I, actually, I screwed it up. You're a, yeah, what's better than uh, Whatever. Who's got it better than us, Jim Harbaugh? Uh, we actually do have one more topic here to discuss. And that is the scheduling. So going back to what we said at the top of the show, really no point in trying to handicap the season because uh, a lot of conference scheduling is now in flux. And it's kind of absurd because we're a month away from the season and nothing has really, and, and we're in this, this position. The first shoe to drop in sports was the NCAA basketball tournament, right? And, and even conference tournaments. They were the very first uh, entity, if you will, in sports that said, okay, we got to put this thing on hold. We got to shut it down. So they've had the most time to figure this the fuck out. And it doesn't seem like they've done it. ESPN nixed their plans to host uh, a hoops event at Disney, citing challenges with testing protocols, which refers primarily to retesting players who had already previously tested positive for COVID and been cleared. Uh, some of the protocols for a player testing positive while in the Orlando bubble were another key discussion point. This thing just seems like such a mess, so convoluted and confusing. It, and it's a little bit concerning. It's troubling. Like Cecil's beard and Mr. Deeds, it is troubling. We're this close to the season and we're going to have games, but this is not the type of momentum I wanted to build going into it. Shark, what are your thoughts on ESPN nixing basically uh, this, this Disney venue? Nice pull on Cecil troubling your beard is troubling i was glad to see you loop that in here this reminds me of being in college when you're with your group of friends you're with your buddies uh wherever maybe it doesn't even have to be college but you're everyone is around each other for the same weekend and you want to plan your weekend plans and it's centered around getting a reservation or buying tickets to something or renting a house or whatever it may be and everyone's talking about how great of an idea it is, but you got nobody to step forward and actually pull the trigger and make the decision or rent the house or get the reservation or do what needs to be done. Everyone just because everyone knows that that responsibility sucks. You don't want to be the guy on the hook for the Airbnb. You don't want to be the person that buys all the tickets and then distributes them after the fact because there's responsibility in that. That's too much work. That's exactly what this is. As this thing gets closer, all these people that were involved in playing, uh, School, school presidents, school commissioners, conference commissioners, nobody wanted to take the lead. And I don't necessarily blame them because no one was you know, assigned this position in the first place um, 
once it gets time to where the rubber meets the road, there's no consistent protocols for testing. A just burped right there. Uh, a school in the north northeast may have very different quarantining rules than a school in the dirty south, as our boy Pat Chambers would probably tell us about that. Very different cultures that we're looking at here. Um, that's a joke, but that was, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so it, it's different. You got to be able to figure it out. It, everyone says, "Oh, well, the MLB figured it out, and the NBA figured it out, and the NFL figured it out." Well, those guys are being paid. Well, college football is being uh, figured it out. Well, they're only playing their conference opponents, which is where this is likely headed. Which makes the most sense. Where you, everyone in the conference just play each other. We'll figure it out later. Then we'll burn the film on 2020, and we'll get back to it next year. Not a good time for Arizona to self-impose some penalties right now. Who cares really about what college basketball is headed? It's going to be kind of a fluky season anyways. Um, no non-conference games are going to be played. Kind of sucks. Play hurt, though. It does. Yeah. And and to your point about college football, that was in danger of not being played at all. And then a, a wild series of events happened, and they, they were able to pull it off in every conference. I mean, but, college football might get canceled in yeah. next week with with an election. You know, everything might change with an election. I, I keep getting nervous. Where I know, I know we don't want to be political, but I mean, if policy changes, I know the president can't direct this, but the the momentum and the political energy can change things. So, especially at the collegiate level, that'd be that's easier to shift than anything these for profit leagues. But who knows what's going to happen. No, I mean, it's a, it's a very valid, con- I mean, it's a trivial concern on the grander scheme of things in terms of whether sports gets played or not, uh, in my opinion. But as of right now, we do have college football, college basketball just scaring me a little bit. It's it's almost like, I don't know, a project or a launch that you're, you've been looking forward to for so long. And then right before it launches, you have this hiccup and they can't afford it. They really cannot afford to go two straight That's years without an NCAA tournament. That's how I know you're getting old right there. Because that analogy was just boring. A project that I'm excited oh, I'm about. Work. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, I'm incredibly I mean, washed up. Yeah, I'm, I'm at least tapping into some nostalgia over here and trying to get you something specific that people look forward to. But you're, you've gotten so corporatized that you look forward to projects and that that is what you're... The overall sentiment of these examples that we're providing is disappointment, right? Disappointment via lack of organization. Or All right. something well, unforeseen. Then it's then it's Billingsley charging towards the end zone and <laughs> in, in the state title game and coming up short. Or it no, is. that was Winchell. That might have been Winchell. That, yeah. Six um, degrees of wait, no, Billingsley has a huge play right there when he's got his shoulder ripped out, though. Early on in that who came he, up short? Was it Winchell or was it Billingsley? Oh man. That's a great question. Because I know Winchell gets the helmet kicked in his face when he's on the ground. All I know is we need to finish. It might have been Billingsley. I think it was Billingsley, dude. Because yeah, you're right. He did have a separated shoulder. But can I, can we play the play this episode out? Actually, can you splice in right here as we buy a few more minutes on this hour long show? The the speech. It's real simple. You got two more quarters, and that's it. Now most of you have been playing this game for ten years. You got two more quarters. And after that, most of you will never play this game again as long as you live. Now, you all have known me for a while, and for a long time now, you've been hearing me talk about being perfect. Well, I want you to understand something. To me, being perfect 
It's not about that scoreboard out there. It's not about winning. It's about you and your relationship to yourself and your family and your friends. Being perfect is about being able to look your friends in the eye and know that you didn't let them down because you told them the truth. And that truth is, is that you did everything that you could. There wasn't one more thing that you could have done. Can you live in that moment as best you can with clear eyes and love in your heart? With joy in your heart? If you can do that, gentlemen, then you're perfect. I want you to take a moment and I want you to look each other in the eyes. I want you to put each other in your hearts forever because forever is about to happen here in just a few minutes. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think about Booby Miles who is your brother. And he would die to be out there on that field with you tonight. And I want you to put that in your hearts. Boys, my heart is full. My heart's full. Ivory. Yeah, coach. Yeah, great speech. And then at the Mary end, can you play, yeah, can you play the? Well, I was going to say Billy Bob Thornton, but um, I could also say Coach Taylor. It's all it's all the same right here. But can you play the Friday Night Lights song at the end of the show too? Love that song. I can do that. That'll make you cry. Actually, that is the perfect like end of a season. Yep. I love my teammates, man. But you have to come up short. You can't, you can't, you can't play that when you win. Yeah, we're giving you giving you guys good minutes here with, with the music and the singing uh, real quick though, shark, before we get to hugs and where am I on the flip side of the disappointment with ESPN uh, removing basically their coverage or whatever from the uh, bubble in Disney, over 30 teams are going to be playing in Mohegan sun's bubble. So if you've ever been to Mohegan sun, it's a blast, basically a casino. Um, and so some of the teams that are highlighted there are Villanova, Baylor, ASU, BC, your boys, UConn, USC, Virginia, Florida, St. John's, UMass, Vandy, BYU, Louisville, and NC State. This is going to take place between November 25th and December 5th. So at least we got some theater in Mohegan Sun. I've never actually been in Mohegan Sun either, which really? I need I need to correct that. Um, I know it's in Connecticut, but where in Connecticut is it? I just want to clear this up before we get going any further. But yeah, it's in the middle of Connecticut. Uh, I think it's a great idea. I, you know, this is what they should be doing, creating these, not having schools fly in from far away, but making it almost regional bubbles um, where the kids can still, air quotes, go to class and take their classes on Zoom or whatever they need to do, but rel- stay relatively regional to where they're from and play schools that, that are either in their conference or 
figure out a way to play non-conference games, you're going to have to fill out the conference schedule. So for large conferences like the ACC, where it goes all the way from Miami up to Syracuse, that might be a little bit difficult where maybe you can figure out other, I don't know. This is not my problem to figure out. So hopefully they can figure it out, but I love the idea of Bubbleville at Mohegan Sun. That seems like something that would be a great idea. I'd love to be quarantined in there with them, watching all these great, those games, doing what you have to do. It seems like a great idea. It's an awesome t- name as well. Bubbleville, I can definitely get behind. Uh, but that's some encouraging news after some disappointing news with Disney. But big news there. Uh, let's go ahead and finish it off with Where Am I and Hug Hugs. Before we do that, we want to remind you that we're brought to you by Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. Um, so where am I? Where am I? Where am I? John Horford. Remember John Horford? If the name sounds familiar, it should. He was a former Michigan and Florida player younger brother of Al Horford. He is the founder and creator of blueprint athletes, basketball training app. Uh, So basically these are structured workouts and drills developed by NBA and D one players and coaches to help you master basketball fundamentals, improve strength and conditioning and develop key habits that lead to progress and success. I'm on his website right now and he's got a section where it says access drills from hall of fame coaches. And it's just him. uh, It's just him with John Beeline and, and Billy Donovan. And I mean, I, I, I don't think John Beeline and Billy Donovan are like providing anything to this app. I think John Horford's just like, I'm trying to remember some plays that they instilled. <laughs> so that's what John Horford's up to. Let me ask you something. how did you come across that? Cause it seems very weird to just re- come across John Horford's page. I'm telling you, it just, it, it's like a funnel. Or almost like an upside down pyramid. You got to start just with a random team that you can, that first team that comes into your mind. It could be a non power, could be a power. I started with Gonzaga. And basically, what I do is I try and go for like a 2012, 2011 roster lookup for these teams because those guys yeah. were probably done playing basketball. Um, and so I just, I mean, I, I had to go down the well. I saw John Horford. I, I was like, well, yeah, I just I, I know the process. I've done the process with you. I just it just seems weird to land on a six foot ten guy who's the brother of an NBA player. I mean, if you started on Gonzaga, why what's Derek Ravio doing? What's Blake Step doing? I saw Dan Decau on TV the other day. I know what he's doing, but what are those other guys doing? I mean, I might have I, I might have what's I Nigel next... Williams Goss doing? Oh, Nigel Williams Goss, I think, is a player. Like here's here's what I'm saying. I think after one or two searches for years, like I'll do 2011 through 2013, and then after that, I'm like, all right, fucking, I'm out of here, because a lot of these guys. Like I looked at Elias Harris, and Elias Harris is a player. Oh, in he's a ball player, yeah, good ball player. What do you think, Derek Ravio? I mean, Ravio might be a little too old now, yeah. but I mean, Blake I, Step I was old as fuck. <laughs> forgot about Blake Step. <laughs> Heitfeld, ball, ball did player. Talk, though. Did we talk no, about we Josh Heitfeld? No, that's another good one. All right, let me let me think about it for next week. But I was surprised as well because I definitely figured John Horford with his NBA ties, his height, and he was pretty serviceable, uh, would be playing somewhere. But this is somewhere in between like your corporate desk job with with all these uh, financial, uh, what's the word, financial advisors or real estate guys and an actual player. This guy's creative, built an app. That is pretty good. Good for him. Let's move on to hugs and finish it up. Shark, any hugs tonight? It's hard to find anything to hug. You know what I mean? It's like nothing's happened every single week as this goes. It's just bad news after bad news. So, you know, I want to give you a hug. 
going to throw you a hook. I know you're working hard over there to get some content and dig up some information so we can present a show and give it to the people. And I know I give you a lot of chiding here and there, and I give you a hard time about me showing up for these shows. And I'm sorry. Throw you a hug. Hope we're good. We're good. P-P-O-P. Part, no. P-O-T-P. Part of the process. That's what it is. Also, power of positive thinking if you reverse the final two letters. Another one Mm -hmm. of your things. That is P-O-T-P, P-O-P-T. Remember that. Uh, My hug is for Jason Terry, former Arizona basketball player, currently an Arizona assistant coach right now because I guess he was on a podcast and he said, every time I'm in a store, some little kids come up to me and say, you know, were you, were you the guy, were you the victim of the LeBron James epic uh, alley-oop throwdown in the garden when LeBron was on the heat? And he's like, yeah, that was me. And it makes me feel bad for Jason Terry because he's an NBA champion. He's an NCAA champion. Um, but I was a little nervous when Arizona announced that he was going to be an assistant coach. And if he's got to do any recruiting, some of these dudes probably don't know about how great he was in those finals, how long of a career he had in the NBA and how great he was at Arizona. I'm just fearful that if this guy walks into their living room, they're going to be like this, this old man that got bodied by LeBron James. No, I'm not going there. Hmm. Oh, hug for Jason Terry. 55 minutes of actual content. Let's see what it ends up with uh, with some of the <laughs> with the intro, with the Gary Gaines speech, and then Billy. our closing credit. I think we've got an hour. Billy Bob Thornton. Technically, Billy Bob Thornton gave that speech, not Gary Gaines. Because okay. it's in the movie. Billy Bob Thornton. He, he did yeah. give a, a tremendous – I mean, the guy, the guy plays a head coaching role very well. Bad News Bears. Also a great speech in Armageddon. I mean – doesn't he give the initial speech to the astronauts before they take it? This guy can speak. Would you rather be in the pregame locker room of Al Pacino's group or Billy Bob Thornton's group? Pacino. I just That's just more of my personality. You know, Billy Bob slash Gary Gaines, his speech spoke to kind of the Mike Winchells of the world, the Matt Saracens of the world. Uh, kind of ignite the the beast within the sullen person, inspire them emotion, uh, and not in so much a fiery way, but in a deeper personal way. Pacino, that's my that's my kind of speed right there. Get get me going, get me fired up, get me ready to run through the brick wall. Pull that, pull that. You're you're. Do you, which speech do you do you identify with more? Which speech do you want? Oh, pull it. I, yeah, okay. pull it. Why don't we yeah, pull? Do Let's do some pull. pull. Oh, yeah, let's get some pulse. Yeah, let's pulse. Why don't you do it? I, I, I got a thing. Thank you again for listening. We will catch you next time here on Theater and College Hoops.
I don't know what to say, really. Three minutes to the biggest battle of our professional lives all comes down to today. Either we heal as a team or we're going to crumble. Inch by inch, play by play, till we're finished. We're in hell right now, gentlemen. Believe me. And we can stay here, get the shit kicked out of us, or we can fight our way back into the light. We can climb out of hell. One inch at a time. Now, I can't do it for you. I'm too old. I look around, I see these young faces, and I think, I mean, I made every wrong choice a middle-aged man can make. I, uh, I pissed away all my money, believe it or not. I chased off anyone who's ever loved me. And lately, I can't even stand the face I see in the mirror. You know, when you get old in life, things get taken from you. I mean, that's, that's, that's part of life. But you only learn that when you start losing stuff. You find out life's this game of inches. So is football. Because in either game, life or football, the margin for error is so small. I mean, one half a step too late or too early, and you don't quite make it. One half second too slow, too fast, you don't quite catch it. The inches we need are everywhere around us. They're in every break of the game, every minute, every second. On this team, we fight for that inch. On this team, we tear ourselves and everyone else around us to pieces for that inch. We claw with our fingernails for that inch. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing. Between living and dying. I'll tell you this, in any fight, it's the guy who's willing to die who's going to win that inch. And I know if I'm going to have any life anymore, it's because I'm still willing to fight and die for that inch. Because that's what living is. There's six inches in front of your face. Now, I can't make you do it. You got to look at the guy next to you. Look into his eyes. Now, I think you're going to see a guy who will go that inch with you. You're going to see a guy who will sacrifice himself for this team because he knows when it comes down to it, you're going to do the same for him. That's a team, gentlemen. And either we heal now as a team or we will die as individuals. That's football, guys.
That's all it is. Now, what are you going to do? Go, go, go. 